It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 486 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is the return of two of my favorites here at the podcast. That's John Hervey and Lewis Southard. Everything kicks off with the return of John Hervey from Black Tiger Hidden Dragon. He's got an Indiegogo project going on right now for the latest chapter in his successful franchise. It's described this way. The Tigress is back following her sole lead into her father's murder as a hidden evil arises. Be sure to support this as soon as you can. Then everything wraps up with the return of Lewis Southard as he talks about one of my favorite series, Villains Seeking Hero. It was his first comic, and we talk about the future of the comic, as well as the other projects he's working on, and I highly recommend all of them, so be sure not to miss them. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to John Hervey, the creator of the Black Tiger series. And the, you've got a new Indiegogo for the second part, or which is actually, yes. this is number one. How are you doing, John? Doing well, Wayne. Really appreciate you having me on again. It's, all, it's always uh, great to chat with you. Yeah, so talk about this now. As I was saying, this is actually the second book, but it's listed as number one? Yeah, it's a little bit confusing in that regard. So... Um, the first graphic novel, which was uh, Black Tiger: Legacy of Fury, that was uh, we gave the whole we gave the whole first story arc in that graphic novel. So that was 172 pages. This next graphic novel is basically a, it's it's going to be in total about 88 pages, uh, 75 pages of story, and it is the first half of the next story arc. So confusingly enough, it's called Black Tiger. Hidden Dragon Volume 1. It's Volume 1 of the new story arc, but it's actually the second, I guess, uh, installment in the Black Tiger series. Cool. Cool. Well, I enjoyed the first one. I was, It was a great book. I really love it. I thought the art was very professional. The storytelling was all great. The, I love the characters. As, as we've said in the past, I love a good, strong female character which is one of the characters in there. And I don't know if we want to spoil stuff, but I guess if I start reading some of the descriptions that's on the Indiegogo, you let me see the Indiegogo page before it starts. Now, we should let people know. People always get mad at me because I don't say these things soon enough for them. Um, when does the Indiegogo start? So the Indiegogo starts on the 18th of May. And what you're looking at right now is the, um, is the mailing list. So if people type in Black Tiger Hidden Dragon, they will they can go to that mailing list now and they can sign up. And there are some perks to signing up early, um, including, of course, you know, you'll, you'll get notified. But uh, there, there's some other things that we want to give away to folks that sign up early and then purchase the book. Cool. 
And what's the name of the company again? Beyond Time. So it's Beyond Time Inc. But if you go to beyondtimecomics.com, that's actually where um, – that's really our, 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 our web presence and our landing page. Um, if you go there, you'll be able to see uh, – we have a web reader. And we have a number of comics. So uh, the whole Black Tiger Legacy of Fury, all six issues that made up that graphic novel, they're there. Um, the campaign that we're actually closing the day before we start Black Tiger, which is Magna, The Last Pantheon, Volume 1, you can read that. It's there on the website, um, on the on the web reader. So that's there. Uh, so we're, we're – we're concurrently we have the web platform uh, as a means for people that uh, are more interested or just makes more sense uh, to read books digitally. Uh, we we've been really blessed in that you know we were able to pick up uh, you know a number of folks following following our stories between Magna and Black Tiger, but you know we've picked up folks in the UK and in Australia and um, in uh, South Africa, so in different parts of the world and shipping is, uh, you know, people, some people are paying more for the shipping than for the books. So, so, so for some folks, it, it just, you know, economically, they, they were, they got the uh, digital and actually with the Magna, the last Pantheon volume one um, campaign, mm -hmm. we sold nearly uh, 60 of the uh, digitals. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a material amount, you know, kind of, you know, kind of in the grand scheme of things. That's great. My gosh, because uh, especially like if you're mentioning like if you're overseas and you don't want to pay the postage and all you got to do is sign up for the digital and you probably can get the link pretty quickly. So with the digital, um, people just set up their profile mm -hmm. and then we give them access to the books. So mm -hmm. once they set up their profile, uh, we enable them to uh, to read whether it's you know, the Black Tiger Legacy of Fury series or the first three issues of Magna, The Last Pantheon. Our intention be with uh, this new series, Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon, production is so pencils, inks, colors. Um, pencils and inks are complete. Uh, there are about 10 more pages that need to be colored. And lettering has already started on the other pages that are completed. So uh, our intention is by the time the campaign wraps up, uh, kind of like we did with Magna, production is complete. So then we get, you know, we go right to the printer, get people their books in hand, and then we're going to roll right into our next campaign for Magna, The Last Pantheon, Volume Two. So we're, we're trying, we're trying to get a little bit of, uh, um, you know, our, our own process in place, and hopefully we can bring three graphic novels a year to people. Wow. Very good. Now, uh, since we're talking about Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon, do you know when that Indiegogo campaign ends? So that's going to be a 60-day campaign. 60 days. So it starts May 18th. What about June 18th to the land? So that'll be July. That'll be about July 17th oh, 60 or 18th. Days, right. Yeah. Duh. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be July 18th. Is there about so that'll good. end in July and, and you know, the mid part of July, then our intention is to uh, fulfill the campaign um, by, um, by September, definitely have the campaign fulfilled. Uh, but we should be able to get it done sometime in, in the August timeframe. And then uh, 
September we'll launch the next campaign for Magna. Okay. Very good. And I already signed up for the Magna for the first campaign, so I'm looking forward to getting that. And that looks like a great series as well. But let's oh, stick so you to, didn't get your book yet for Magna? I don't think I did. Did you say because uh, everything I, is shipped? Oh, okay. Well, I'll, if if I need to, I'll go back and I'll get a a, a digital one. In case it, I hate to tell you, but oh, the mail okay. right now is a mess. Yeah. I sent my my brother a box full of comics. It took I, I paid for two day shipping. It took a week and two days for it to get there, <laughs> and that was lucky. Oh, <laughs> I sent him something else. It took like two months, a couple of months ago. So I was well I'm, when I, we did the first Black Tiger campaign. Um, we sent out all the books. Um, one of our backers in England, um, I guess two months after we sent it, it was returned to us. That's when it was stamped as being returned, but it didn't get back to us for yet another month. So literally by the time we got his package back, Mm -hmm. we, um, you know, gave him access to the digitals for his, 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 you know, just for the, you know, the kind of the headache of that, we ended up packing black tiger and Magna all together Mm. (laughs) and then shipping it to him. So I will, I will definitely look Wayne and and see where you're. Honestly, I I support several crowdfunding things and sometimes I forget (laughs) which one, how did I, what did I do for this? Did I ask for digital this time or did I ask for a paper copy? I can't remember sometimes. (laughs) So I, I just want to do that. So, well, let's talk about black tiger. Um, for those people who may not have heard you the last time that you and I talked, yes. why don't you give an overview as to what the series is about? Okay. So uh, Black Tiger is think of uh, think of it as a mantle. Uh, it's a it's a power that's handed down throughout the generations. So throughout time, throughout the millennia, um, there's always been a Black Tiger. Different people throughout time, and you come to the present. And for those of you that um, picked up uh, Black Tiger uh, Legacy of Fury, uh, the city uh, of Los Santos is a city at war. And you kind of have the old guard, uh, Italian mafia, a new uh, brutal breed of gangsters uh, and the Russians and the triads and the Vatos. And then you have these feared and reviled metahumans and, uh, you know, a thinly stretched police force. And in between all of this, there's been one man who has served as Los Santos' self-appointed protector uh, for decades. And this is Black Tiger, called him the Fist of Justice. And he was using his metahuman powers and his bone-crushing kung fu to protect the innocent and to punish the guilty. Um, no one knew who the Black Tiger was, but he was actually um, – one of the men of the Fong family and the power had been passed down from father to son for a number of generations. Um, But the family is fragmented. And what ends up happening is through the course of the first story arc, you get to see four different wielders of the black tiger power. Um, And then uh, ultimately there is uh, one character, Jen Fong who emerges at a very costly price as the black tiger. And that takes us to where we are now with Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So Jin, she is now the unexpected recipient of a mystical martial arts superpower that she just recently learned has been in her family for generations. And she strives to 
restore the heroic legacy of her father, uh, which, uh, we, as we see throughout in the series, um, he actually gets posthumously um, uh, discharged from and dishonored from the police, and his work as the Black Tiger um, has been undone. So she realizes there's a plot much bigger than uh, that just against the Black Tiger, but it's, you know, against her family. Uh, so in, you know, I guess a little bit in true true kung fu style, you have the uh, necessity to honor your family uh, and the necessity to uh, right the things that are wrong. And so she ends up waging both a personal um, and a, a professional battle because she's an assistant DA against injustice and um, she really finds as she has these burgeoning powers that she doesn't understand and she just can't completely control. Um, she finds herself in the midst of, of all that's going on in the city and the things that are impacting her family. And um, that's when uh, she starts to uh, become wise to uh, some of the forces that she's going up against. Mm-hmm. So without without giving you guys spoilers, it's it's a fun uh, it's a fun um, mixture of martial arts and comic book action. Um, you know, as as someone who has loved and written stories for a long time, uh, you know, I I love to be able to uh, provide uh, some elements, uh, either whether they be historical or. Um, you know, but but I really like to keep the stories fun, and I like to keep uh, because I I really love just the fact that comics enable you to uh, escape and just go into a different world, and uh, you know, you know, enjoy adventures, and and that's that's the whole point, you know, of of the Black Tiger series, and even as she uh, comes up against obstacles and has to overcome these obstacles and grow. I think it's something that we can all, um, you know, in our own way, uh, kind of connect with is, is we've you all had the, to overcome different things in our lives. Yeah. You said the magic word for me and that's the word adventure. Yeah. I always like adventure and I, I, I think your books always do a great job of taking us on an adventure about going places where we might not have been in, in, in our real lives and also getting a chance to get to know some of these people really right. well i think that's it's one of the things i wanted to talk with you about is making these characters breathe and live yes and you know how do you do that what is it about what what are the ways that you find that work best for making those of us who are readers you know really come to identify with these characters well you know oftentimes the characters are they, they have elements that are kind of amalgams of uh whether it's uh different people uh, that I know. I mean, uh, you look at the character of Jin Fong, she definitely uh, kind of is is an amalgam of of, uh, some fictitious characters that I like, but as well as she has, you know, some of the personality traits of folks that I know, kind of like my wife and some other folks. And so I think what you do is you're you're able to – you know, kind of as the story progresses, you really start to, to, to find your stride with characters. And then as, and it's almost like role-playing, you know, when you, for, for anyone that has ever engaged in, 
you know, any of the role playing games, the first thing you do is you, is you develop your character, you know, unless of course you're the game master, then you're, you know, constructing the adventure. But the first thing you do is you develop your character and yeah, you develop your character's attributes, but then you start to figure out your character's um, personality. And as the story has developed and these different characters have literally come to life and they have, um, you know, their, their own personalities have really come to the fore. You end up having a story. So I have a red thread that runs through my story. Um, but the characters, the way that they would um, act or respond, it really becomes them. So then I find myself as I'm writing, you know, the characters are kind of writing themselves in situations. And my job as a writer is a, of course, to stay true to the characters, but B to also enable the characters to grow, to learn, to develop. Um, And some characters do stagnate, Um, but you don't want to have a book full of characters that are stagnating. You Mm. want the development, you know, the beautiful art, the uh, action, those are the things that draw people in. But ultimately, it's the story, it's the progression, it's the development of the characters, it's the relationships. That's what keeps people wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like I said, I like strong female characters. And to me, the, 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 the strong female in this book is very appealing to me. And as I often like to say, I, I, I've read male characters for decades now and i i can usually get some ideas to what a male character is going to do Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't matter if they're a scientist or if they're a bad guy or if the other things i i always can look at them and say you know i bet they're going to do this next but when you go to a female lead like the the one that you have I don't know, and I like not knowing. It's kind of a, a fun thing for me to be able to read the story and not know where this is going to go. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about uh, you know the choices you've made. Well, it's great having characters that have different motivations than we have, mm-hmm. um, and also characters that are multifaceted. So you know, for for Jen, she's a very strong character. She also has her. Um, areas in which she uh, does doubt herself and she has things that motivate her that, you know, go well beyond just simply, um, you know, honoring her family or, uh, you know, righting a wrong, you know, she has, she's dealing with other issues uh, as she's trying to develop as a hero. She's trying to figure out who she is as a hero. And that makes that makes for a fun story and it also makes for, uh, for growth. And she's, she has, uh, we get to see element, we get to see her brother before her and her father, and we get to see the ways in which she is similar. Some of the ways she doesn't like and the ways that she's dissimilar and how she's trying to carve out her own path and doing this while, like you said, I mean, she is a female character and she looks at things uh, from a perspective that is different than her male predecessors. And in many regards, um, that can give her um, just a different way of approaching things than maybe her male counterparts would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Was that more of a challenge for you as a writer, or was that more fun? Something, uh, someplace you haven't been before. <laughs> yes, <laughs> both. <laughs> you okay. know, and you know, the the beautiful thing that's helped me a lot is having my wife as my editor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because um, just kind of our brains they they operate so differently. And I, you know, I when I talk with my wife and even when I present her with scenarios, you know, kind of the things, the first things that would pop into her mind, I'm like, really? That's the first thing that popped into your mind in this scenario? Interesting. Okay. So that means you're going about this a completely different way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, than, you know, than a traditional hero would, you know, a traditional hero is going, okay, I'm going to take this head on and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bash this in the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, it was like when they had Captain Janeway on on Voyager, which mm-hmm. I always used as a sample. She looked at things differently than, say, Kirk or Cisco or, or Picard or any of those looked at them. And as such, there was there was it was so interesting to me, and something I, I I do want to touch on with you. How do women react to Jen? Because you know a lot of the female fans of, of Voyager thought that she was too male, that she should sit and talk things out with people much more. She shouldn't be firing phasers hardly at all. She should be, you know, she should be sitting down and let's sit and talk out our problems and stuff. And of course, television, that's not one of the better places to do that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of interested. Have you gotten much feedback on the Jen character? Well, it, it has been interesting because I've gotten feedback um, from different types of readers. So um, from from females that are um, kind of superhero comic book readers mm-hmm. and even manga comic book readers, um, I, th- I think the character has, has resonated in the fact that they're like, you know what, she's going to have to bring some resolution to this conflict somehow. Mm-hmm. And she's going to have to do something physical at some point to get this done. You know, it's interesting. I've, you know, I've, I've had uh, readers that are maybe newer to comics mm-hmm. or, or readers that are, you know, much more of, um, you know, whether they're people that really kind of enjoy prose and more of like novels. And their response has been interesting in that, yeah, you know, she does seem to be, you know, you know, an aggressive woman at times. You know, you know, it seems like some of the answers she's looking to you know, to find, she's trying to find some of those answers with her fists. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, I, and, and the great thing for me is especially with, um, kind of independent comics being such a small circle. Um, and it's, it's definitely growing, but like, I mean, for any particular book, you know, you, you don't have so many folks that, you don't have connectivity with the people that are reading the book. So I get to hear so much from folks that read the books mm-hmm. and some of it, I'm, you know, I take note of them like, yeah, you know, that's actually a very good observation, mm-hmm. you know, and some of it is just kind of style points. They're like, you know what? That's cool. You know, she's, you know, you know, she is, she is an aggressive person. And even, even to my wife, she's like, you know what? You know, she is an aggressive person, but she's like, I can definitely see how, you know, for, for some of the people that, that I've worked with and, you know, worked for in the past, you know, she's like, yeah, but I could definitely see, uh, you know, how you kind of drew on some of your, 
your uh, your old bosses for some of her personality traits. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting. How does her being a DA influence uh, Jen's actions? So, and and this is a this is something that is seminal to her, but it evolves because she's a DA and she looks at things by the book, mm-hmm. black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, her becoming Black Tiger. It takes her to a different depth of some of the problems that she sees in the court. And she is forced to the fact that things aren't always as black and white as she would like them to be. And even when they are as black and white as she would like them to be, the system isn't always serving the proper justice. So then what? So she's actually very conflicted as the black tiger. And upon learning that her dad was a black tiger, she she had some disappointment because her, her father was a, a police officer. So she was like, how can you as an officer of the law, you know, be running around as this vigilante acting above the law, you know, that that goes counter to everything that you should believe in. Mm-hmm. But he it wasn't a dissonance for him. But for her, it's a dissonance. But she's starting to find peace and she's starting to find her rhythm. And that is a lot of what this story is about, is how, she, how does she reconcile being uh, a by-the-book assistant DA, um, but also being a vigilante? Mm-hmm. That's, that's different for her. Big time. And very uncomfortable. And she was not a Black Tiger fan before she learned of the power in her family. Hmm. Interesting. So that's going to take a while to get used to her to be able to utilize, right? It, it will. And she really does not – she's not a mantle that she wants to take up. She felt it was a mantle that was – you know, she feels a, feels it as a burden. It was one that she had to take up uh, with the passing, you know, of, of some of her family members. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is looking to – she's looking to um, find out who killed her father – right the wrongs that have been done. Mm-hmm. But at this point, she doesn't have a long view for being the black tiger. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mm-hmm. see herself as a protector of the city this way. She, she sees herself doing that as a DA. Hmm. So this is a temporary thing for her. That's what she's thinking. Hmm. Interesting. That's a very different way to look at things than we're used to most superheroes and stuff. They, they look at it as like a lifelong profession. Right. Right. So that, that'll be something different. Now, one of the things I noticed, and I don't want to spoil too much, but there's on the Indiegogo page, there's a mention of the fact that she doesn't only stay in Los Santos. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, that, that uh, you know, of course, the artists, you know, you, you've, you've got to go to a different locale, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. How does that play into Jen's experience? No, this is great. I mean, you know, first and foremost, just as a comic book creator, I think the beauty of the medium of comics, you know, for, for me as a, a comic creator working with artists, you know, my artists, their page rate is no different, whether we stay in Los Santos or we go somewhere else in the, you know, in God's galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a universe. It's all the same. So from that regard, I love being able to take advantage of the fact that, we're unconstrained and keeping in mind that I'm writing for the medium of comics. 
And in doing so, it gives me a freedom. So one of the things that we did, um, and as someone who who absolutely, I, I've always loved martial arts, whether it be, you know, the old Hong Kong films or newer Hong Kong films, uh, practice some Kung Fu myself, and um, seeing uh, the different styles of martial arts just around the world. One of the things she does is she ends up, um, as she's following a lead, she ends up in the jungles of Brazil and she actually ends up fighting a master of a Brazilian capoeira. And she's never fought anyone like this before. Capoeira is, um, you know, they, it's, yeah, you know, I guess it's, it's the roots of break dancing. So, you know, kind of the movements, uh, kind of the way that, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of pushing off of the ground, um, all those things. She's not used to those things. So she finds herself, you know, very much kind of in the soup, you know, trying to tangle with this master of capoeira. So you find yourself over there. Um, she she does then uh, travel back to uh, Los Santos and she you get to see more of uh, kind of the different pockets, uh, kind of the little little Russia. You get to see a little bit more of Chinatown. Uh, you get to see um, elements of kind of where the uh, where the metahumans, which are really kind of the scourge of the city, you know, they're they they're you know they're they're like they're like the folks that are the outcast and the downcast uh, because it's very hard for them to find work, especially if they're visibly metahuman. So they they're kind of carving out their own little society. Um, you know, in an unincorporated part of the city. So you get to see different elements. Cool. Cool. Now you did mention the art team. Is the art team the same on this book as it was on the previous one? Uh, primarily. Yes. So the penciler is the same Rod Pereira, Rod Looper. Um, he is magnificent. And for those of you that enjoyed his work, he continues to push himself and push himself. So, I mean, the work that he does on, on this issue and, and, and the subsequent issue, which we've already started working on, or I should say graphic novel, since it's really three 25-page issues in each graphic novel, plus some additional uh, artwork, um, it's outstanding. And he has really pushed me. And you're talking about, you know, going to exotic locales and exotic places, not in this graphic novel, but in the subsequent one, we have an adventure um, of a prior black tiger as part of the story that actually occurs in feudal Japan with a lot of just supernatural elements um, that I think people are going to have a great time reading. Wow. Very good. Very good. So I, what I've seen of the art, I really love. I think it's very dynamic and very, uh, like I always say, I judge art by two things, by facial expressions and by action sequences. Mm. And both of those are really strong with his art, his art really, I mean, it just pops off the page to me. It really is great. No, he does a great job and working with him is such a pleasure. You know, one of the things as somebody who uh, loves, uh, you know, Hong Kong movies and, you know, loved reading 1980s, um, you know, Frank Miller, Daredevil. I love well choreographed fight sequences. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he and I pine over. Uh, you know, in our stories, uh, you know, kind of uh, letting the flow of the fight uh, 
be such that the reader uh, can really follow it, really uh, enjoy it, feel the impact of it, see the consequences of it. Uh, I love that. And, and he, um, he does so much with the art. Um, you know, the scripting for me, when I script these issues, um, the scripting is pretty dense. Uh, I, I, have, I have a vision, uh, but ultimately when you're working with a great artist, he catches the vision and then he says, oh, I see what you're doing here. This looks great. I, th- I think I see how we can improve this and this may not work out the way you think it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always an iterative process. But the things that I appreciate is even as we're moving the story forward, he's always attuned uh, to the um, kind of the emotion and the, um, the temperament of the characters. So, you know, even when we're kind of, uh, you know, telling parts of the story that may not have action, but it's moving, moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. You can, you can look at the pages. And this is something that my, my old boss, uh, Michael Davis, who was one of the founders of milestone. And when, you know, kind of digressing, when we would go to the comic shop, he would always flip through the pages first. And I, I said to him one time, I'm like, doesn't that ruin reading the story for you? He's like, no, he's like, if I flip through the pages, the flow of the story, I should be able to see the flow of the story. Then when I go back and read it, the words are telling me the things that I couldn't see through the flow of the story. Hmm. The words should not be um, telling me things that I can already see. Mm-hmm. And it should fill in the gaps kind of like, you know, I guess kind of like, you know, if you have boulders with kind of the gravel and the sand. You know, mm-hmm. So it fills in the gaps and, and, and completes the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that in mind, when I write, it's, it's a very <laughs> kind of a robust script that I give him. But his artwork is so amazing that so much of what we end up um, kind of finally coming to is actually expressed in the art mm-hmm. that, you know, the book doesn't have to be uh, overly verbose. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy, you can, and if you pay attention to the art, because his art is very detailed you can see a lot of what's going on and our colorist is excellent. So he really helps bring the mood kind of like the music in a movie. He really, you can really tell the mood of what's going on. If you're just looking at the colors. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Really yeah. Cool. I have to mention as when I look at the page, it's called black tiger hidden dragon. Mm-hmm. And I noticed as I looked through some of the illustrations that let's just say that, what what the dragon is doesn't remain hidden apparently for the whole book. That's not that's not well the beauty of it is a that is not a very hidden dragon is it? That <laughs> no. is and and the the page that he that he drew for the illustration you're looking at when I know what you're looking at mm-hmm. is a dragon manifesting itself in the middle of a mall. Mm. So this is a four story mall kind of in the food court. So it's kind of open and you can kind of see all the different levels. The dragon is manifesting itself, standing, you know, the full height of the mall and just bedlam, mm. you know, different, different uh, uh, tiers of the mall being destroyed by the dragon, people mm. here, there and everywhere, all kinds of things happening. And that you can, I can, I can just soak in that page for so long. I see there's so much going on in there. 
Um, but and, and that's that's just the level of detail that Rod brings with his art. But no, you're exactly right. Um, there's more that I want to say, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give away. Um, you know, I think some of the elements that you'll really find fun uh, when you read the story. But that particular dragon, you are right. There is really nothing hidden about that dragon. <laughs> See how the, what, what the dragon has to do with the black tiger is going to be something that I want to read about. Mm-hmm. That in, that interests me. How what do the two things have to do with each other? Indeed. So I'm going to be interested to see that. This is all really great storytelling. Well, I, I have to ask, do you know how many books you're going to do with Black Tiger? Well, we have um, – so this is volume one of Hidden Dragon. Volume two is uh, about ten pages away from being completed in terms of pencils and inks, and then it will go to colors. Mm-hmm. So that story arc, um, that will be a 150-page story arc in its completion – but there are, let me tell you, we have many Black Tiger stories to tell, both with this protagonist and with prior wielders of the Black Tiger power. Hmm. So, I mean, I, there's really, I don't think I'm going to be able to tell <laughs> all the stories that I, that I would love to be able to tell. So there's, there's a lot of Black Tiger to go around. Well, good. That's good to hear. Um so the way to get these issues is through the Indiegogo. Uh, can, yes. You said that they're available on the website too, right? So Hidden Dragon is not yet available on the website. So you can get Legacy of Fury, which is the uh, first graphic novel. All six of those issues. And I think the first issue is 32 pages and the subsequent five issues are each 25 pages. Mm-hmm. You can get those uh, via the reader at beyondtimecomics.com. We will release um, the digital versions uh, of the comics uh, when we release, uh, you know, with the campaign. So for Hidden Dragon, those three issues will get released uh, concurrently with the campaign so that, uh, you know, people will be able to read it online and then people will be receiving their books in their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of now, people cannot read Hidden Dragon uh, okay. online. Not yet. Not yet. So that that might change in the future after the uh, Indiegogo is completed. Yeah, when Indiegogo is completed in July, mm-hmm. um, because one of the one of the tiers is giving people access to the reader. We will give people access to the reader, and then we'll open it up. So if people just want to go uh, to the reader and and uh, you know get access, they can do it there. Cool. That's going to be fun because I, I enjoy the story. The storytelling is really gripping. I mean, it's just I, I can't put it down once I get started reading. It's very well told and very, like I said, the adventure gets me. I, I love to be drawn into the characters and to the, the story. And I don't know what's going to happen next, which is something that I really enjoy. No, I appreciate that. That To me, that's the magic of comics. Yeah. You know, and, you know, as I've read comics, I've always been – uh, intrigued and love reading stories where, you know, the characters are on a great adventure and I, you know, I have my ideas of where things may go, but things start going in different directions. And I'm like, okay, this is exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen here. Mm, that's the thing. They take on a life of their own. They do. They really do. Really and then you kind of start to get to know the characters and you're like, Oh, I hope this person doesn't become their own undoing, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, this particular 
you know, characteristic, I won't call it a character flaw, but this particular characteristic that this character has. Very cool. Very cool. So now let's say if people want to follow you on social media, what's the best way to do that? The best way to follow me, you can follow me uh, at Beyond Time Inc., Beyond Time Inc. on Twitter, um, on YouTube, and on uh, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find me at beyondtimecomics.com. Mm-hmm. Very as good. well as Very the website, which is Beyond Time Comics. Right, right. That's very important. Now, and again, it, this is going to be on Tuesday, Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And let me make sure I get my, my days all straight. It's going to be Tuesday the 18th. That's so right. it's not far away. Do you know what time of day it's going to hit? Um, it looks like we're going to do an opening stream in the evening. So okay. I want to say around 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Cool. Uh, is when we'll open on the 18th. Uh, do um, sign up for the mailing list. The mailing list is available now. If you go to uh, Indiegogo and you type in uh, Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, we plan on giving folks that, uh, um, that sign up for the list and then subsequently back. We want to give those folks a little, some extra goodies uh, you know, for doing that. Very cool. Well, it's going to be a great story. I love the first one. Um, and I think this one's going to be great too. So, and then I guess we'll have another chapter. You said this is the volume number one. That's I right. guess there'll be volume number two after yes. the Magnus second chapter. That's right. That's right. And and it's already written and the majority of the pencils are completed. Pencils and inks are completed. So great. you will get that in your hands. Our, our intention is to, um, after Magna to start that campaign uh, towards the end of the year. So great. Mm-hmm. Well, John, it's great stuff. I always enjoy your, your writing and I always enjoy the books because that it, it works on every level for me. And I just think it's just a, a wonderful thing. I love good indie comics that uh, go places that uh, quote unquote regular comics can't go. Cause Batman has to always end up where he started so that somebody else can write him. That's right. You're not tied by that. So you get to do whatever you want, which is, it's a lot of fun to read. I appreciate that. I really do. And I know that that is an advantage as an indie comic book creator that I do have. So I want to take full advantage of it. (laughs) Well, again, it's Black Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be starting on Tuesday, the 18th. So, you know, pay attention, go and sign up for the mailing list uh, as soon as you get done listening to this interview. And we'll look forward to seeing other things. But again, John, just keep up the wonderful stuff. It's great storytelling. Thank you so much, Wayne. I, I appreciate your show. I appreciate you having me on and letting me, uh, you know, just kind of talk about this passion. And I appreciate all the support. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News. Interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. It's great.
great to welcome back to the podcast, Lewis Southard, creator of so many good things that I really enjoy, including, including one thing we're going to talk about uh, this time called Villain Seeking Hero. And that's one of my favorite books that you do. And there's some other ones, too. We'll get to those in, in a couple of minutes. How you doing, Lewis? I'm all right, Wayne. I'm really excited to be back. And I, I'm even more excited to be talking about a book nobody ever talks about. <laughs> and that's Villain Seeking Hero. I uh, see. I love that book. I I so I, I think I approached you with the first time that we talked, and I had started to read the book, and I really loved the the, the concept of it. It's gosh. Well, well, why don't you tell people what it's about before I start describing it? Oh, that that's a that's a feat in and of itself of trying to describe what the book's about. It, I guess, I guess in layman's terms, it it's about three sort of eccentric and and down on their luck supervillains working for a, a bureaucratized supervillain organization. And it's mainly about their personal lives and their sort of corporate corporatized exploits. I think that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> the, the three main characters, there's Master Molecule, who's sort of your every man. There's Spirit King, who is the, uh, uh, the self-proclaimed king of the spirit world. And then there's uh, Nightman, the, the mute man of muscle mystery. So, something along no the way the mute muscle man of mystery there we go because <laughs> I, I you know this book is is comical on some levels and on on other levels it's very tender just a funny thing to say about a villain book but it's gosh there are so many surprises and and the reason why we're talking about it, i think the 18th issue has come out my understanding is that's going to be the last one at least for now at least for now, yeah. Can, can I at least briefly talk about the odyssey of this book? Sure. Its journey of how we made it all the mm -hmm. way to issue 18? <laughs> well, uh, I, it, it originally was an Action Lab Entertainment book, mm -hmm. and it had the the absolute opportunity of coming out at least a, a week before the industry shut down during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, it only came out digitally, and then uh, – I think I think issues one through eight came out digitally, and then it then it was just put on the shelf. So after a couple months of it being in, in what's it called like indefinite hiatus, I just kind of said, "F this, I'm getting my rights back," and that turned into a whole ordeal. Mm. Uh, but luckily, I did I did pull out the rare comic creator gets his. <laughs> his rights back mm -hmm. as creators rights back. And, and I, but since, since then I've been self publishing the book on Gumroad. So I've been able to, I I've released the original eight issues and I've since then continued the story. It, it ended on a cliffhanger in the middle of um, volume two. And I've managed to close all, I've managed to finish volume two. And then we, I have, or we have rather one of, truly acknowledge the whole creative team and we have uh an entirely new volume full of brand new never before seen content mm -hmm. and that's volume three mm -hmm. now i hate to say it, 18 let's just say leaves the door open for more right you know what's funny i i was thinking about that i'm like dang it i'm really leaving everybody off on another cliffhanger <laughs> but it in a weird way if i never get to go back to it it's kind of like not a fitting ending, but it's like I, I think people could say, "Oh yeah, that's an ending, uh, abrupt, but it's an ending." Mm -hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> but I, I really do. Ho- I've written all of volume four. I'll say mm-hmm. that right now. Mm-hmm. But we we talked about it as of right now. It's sort of this is this has become more of a passion project, and passion can only take you so far. And uh, unfortunately, I have to cap it off. Mm. So, that, but there's other stuff in the works, so that'll be good. Reality gets in the way of comics every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I don't want to say it's over, but I do want to. I, I really want to come back and finish what I've been building towards because there is a climax I've certainly been building up to, mm-hmm. and I think I will. But right now, I can't. I, th- I mentioned this uh, off off the air, but I said I can't balance this and new projects at the same time. Mm-hmm. So unless this becomes an overnight sensation, uh, <laughs> then it's got to go on. It's got I, at least I get to put it on the shelf. I'm making the decision, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's at least the ver- very good. I, I feel more content with that. Now this was your first book, right? Yes, it was. I broke into the industry with this book, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> It's, it's such a good book, too. I mean, there's all kinds of wonderful surprises along the way. And part of me doesn't want to spoil half of them because they were really, you know, the, the I think if, if I remember correctly, eight ends on a surprise. Right, yeah. A big one. I, I don't feel any <laughs> – I don't want to, to spoil, but there's do a huge – you want to do a non-spoiler discussion and then go into a spoiler discussion? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I, I want people to buy the book. See, this is the trick. If we spoil it, people will say, well, I don't have to buy the book. They've spoiled it all. Listen, Wayne, nobody's buying the book. <laughs> I, think, I, I think we could just talk about whatever. And if people find what we're talking about interesting, okay, they'll, be, they'll, they'll check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just say Master Miracle is more complex than I gave him credit for. We'll start with that. Yeah. There was a big surprise – uh, well, let's, well, I guess we just spoil it here. He's, he's hanging around with the hero. A yeah. Female hero. It's set up in the beginning of ish, issue one, Master Molecule on the first page is fighting his, his arch nemesis, Lady Liberty. And after that, you see little snippets of them on the job. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's little Easter, not Easter eggs, just, just hints that there's something more going on. But in, the, the cliffhanger that Action Lab left it on is that it's revealed that Master Molecule and Lady Liberty, uh, uh, villain and hero respectively, are, are secretly married. Mm-hmm. And not only are they married, but they have a whole family. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked when I read that. I was surprised because that was such an interesting twist. I mean, I didn't expect that. That so- was always part of it. That mm-hmm. I that was sort of like my my invincible moment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where it turns out his dad's evil. That I was like, that's that's what I'm building up. That uh, that's the, when you when it turns out what the book's sort of about. Mm-hmm. That these people are are all pretty complex and got weird things going on in their lives, mm-hmm. and that's definitely the part of it because that's sort of set up like that the, this weird sort of situation like oh what if what if spider-man was married to the green goblin or something like that that's that mm-hmm. weird sort of dynamic where it's like how how on earth does that work mm-hmm. and, and why is it is it happening mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's something i i really try to get get into in the book well it's really the whole business with them and their family is is interesting um there's something that happens later on that makes me laugh in, in issue 16 the Spirit King, 
Um, He is suddenly he is supposed to be people think that he's a hero. Yeah. In the issue before he stops a bomb Mm -hmm. and the media mistakenly identifies him as a superhero. Mm-hmm. And the issue after sort of picks up on that with how he's been dealing with with the the media reaction. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's up there making a speech in front of people, and he actually goes and and they they say you know he says I, I receiving your kind appreciation your, and re- recognition has been an honor and for that I have fooled you all he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I laughed out loud when I read that. And he starts to float around. He says, indeed, I am not your hero. He goes and on and on. He goes on. And and in the meantime, what's funny is at the same time, uh, (laughs) what's the name of the guy who's in charge of the... the, Oh, Blacksmith. Blacksmith. The night night guy, yeah. Yeah, Blacksmith and Master Miracle are sitting there. And he, in the process, the Spirit King announces himself as the leader of the Frightening Five. Of which there are three members, which always makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then he goes, and then, then there is there's Master Mirk going. I'm the leader of the Frightening Five. What? How can he say that? Yep. <laughs> I always like blacksmith re- reaction in that very same panel where he all he just bluntly says like, "Oh, that was cool." Like, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Neat. <laughs> oh, that was that was a great. I, I laughed out loud when I got to that. I don't I know if that. you noticed in that issue, the first page is mm-hmm. a direct homage to the the Kitty Pride page from X Men, oh, really? where it's uh, Professor X is a jerk, where she's mm-hmm. like storming out of the mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except we have. Am I allowed to swear? I, I suppose. Okay, yeah, uh, because I'm just quoting the book. It's just Master yeah. Molecule saying Spirit King is a prick. Yeah, and it's yeah. all done. We very. It's all done. Same exact posing, and even the lettering. We tried to replicate it as much as possible, which is very cool. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the the leader says, "He says you're overreacting, Colin." I thought that was a. And he goes, "This is a correct amount of reacting." <laughs> <laughs> that one's that one's probably my favorite in Volume Three. That one's issue sixteen. Yeah. A lot of good stuff happens in that one. There's such fun stuff. The great thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I, at this point, of course, I look at Master Miracle a lot more sympathetically than I did at the beginning mm-hmm. because of the family and the, and, and the Lady Liberty and all this good stuff. And even though he's married to a, a superhero, he still wants to be a leader in the in the villain community. That's that that part always gets me. Makes me laugh, but this this whole thing is really, you know, it's very realistic. This is how these people probably would react in real life. <laughs> My sort of attitude with this is, uh, I try to make everybody as, I guess, realistic. And I don't want, I hate using saying that because I, I think that's really overdone mm-hmm. it, when describing like more alternative superhero comics. Like, oh, this is a realistic take, mm-hmm. and sure, like you'll get the boys or invincible and I, and the way I, I think invincible is, is maybe more akin to this where I, I, I think the more re- generalized term of like, this is a, this is a different book. This is more mature is it's more violent or like it's more gory, but my version of realistic is everybody's really petty and neurotic <laughs> and just weird. And everybody's slightly a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And, every, and everybody's got their own issues going on and they have to deal with the people they don't want to deal with. And mm-hmm. just very, I guess, I guess the term to use is slice of life. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's very much in it. But uh, my favorite part of this whole book is that while it is slice of life, it's often always juxtaposed by some ridiculous thing happening in the background. For for example, in issue 15, which I believe is Weapons for Peace, is it, there's there's a whole subplot that's that's even set up in the issue before about about a young man mm-hmm. who idolizes Master Molecule. Mm-hmm. And he wants he wants revenge on Master Molecule for for ignoring him, <laughs> and his plan is to launch a nuke. Mm-hmm. And, and when he does launch the nuke, Master Molecule is like, "What the heck did you do?" And it's like, "Ah, I've I've launched the nuke, and we only have fifteen minutes before it comes back down. But I, that'll give me ample time to tell you everything I need to say." And then they just shoot him out a window, and, and then they just go to focus on the nuke. I think I think that's a good representation of what this book is. It's not about all the crazy stuff. It's about like what these people are are thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say the last issue made me laugh. Issue eighteen. Yeah, the the the, the let's, issue eighteen starts off with a young girl presenting uh, uh, wings that'll actually fly. Yes, to uh, one of the superheroes, and the superhero. Uh, what is that? What's his name? Doctor Doctor Superior. Doctor Superior, which is the perfect name. For the leader of the group, and he goes, and of course, he finds all the flaws with her. I mean, these wings fly. I mean, come on now. He did say it was objectively impressive that she did. <laughs> Just subjectively, he's not impressed. Well, I, I, but if they fly, I mean, come on now. I mean, who in the world doesn't want to fly? That's what, what she says at one point, I think she says. But everybody wants to fly, something to that effect. And what makes me laugh is one of the reasons he doesn't like the wings is that they're colored yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. You could color them. You, do, you can change the color of them. I'm, I'm literally going, huh? If you could fly and the wings are yellow, what difference does that make? So he rejects her, and she comes out, and she's all rejected and stuff. And she decides that these wings are actually going to work, so she she develops her own identity called Locust. Yeah. And <laughs> given how this book runs, let's just say that things don't go according to the way she would like them to go. Uh, let's just say it. She bumps into a very uh, – my version of, of a daredevil type of character called mm-hmm. Good, Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they they have a bit of a confrontation that goes in a very unexpected way. Well, I love and the I, way that – the first thing she says to him, please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she's not a super anything. She's just like a kid putting on a costume mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. so she can get away with some petty crime. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is she runs into a, an absolute insane version of a daredevil Batman type vigilante. <laughs> And I loved writing him because I just kept thinking of the Daredevil show when everybody was saying, like, this is my city, like oh, like every five minutes. So mm-hmm. I made sure to have him reference the city whenever it was, <laughs> whenever it was right. Well, he, he's yelling at her. He says, he says, was a son such a villain? He says, did he send you to finish me off? And she goes, no, I don't even know who that is. And I find that was funny. And then he starts Batmaning. Yeah, <laughs> he starts talking about. It reminds me of when the earthquaker told me he was only a door-to-door salesman. Then he murdered the love of my life. 
And she goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, she rocks. I love that character. I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm reading this thing and <laughs> things go awry from there, let's just say. And um, she decides she's going to try to get away and he's not going to allow that. And things don't end well, let's just no. say. And no. she's all distraught and they end up, the best part is they think that she, like the good guy. She gets arrested. Let's set that up. She gets arrested by yeah. like a SWAT team or something. Yeah. And they call her Moth Mother. And yes. she goes, Moth Mother? She says, I'm not Moth Mother. And they do say, oh, I guess you're some other insect themed person then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here. This is just, you know, this is too funny. This book's a lot of fun to write. I, I'll say that right now. It's, it's hilarious. Just, Gosh, it's just a good time. I just, you know, the thing it was, and then it ends, as we said, with something of a cliffhanger. It ends with this. One of the things I always get makes me laugh in comics was when the last words they say are the title of the of the chapter. Oh well, and it's it's it. said three times, I think. Oh, is it? I got that was the time it really stood out to me. Was then that last. Is this, well, gosh, I guess we can spoil it. At the very end, who's sitting? She gets captured and she gets, you know, arrested, basically. Right. And who is sitting in the shadows when she, in the in the cell where she gets thrown, but Master Miracle is sitting there. Yep. And Master Miracle says, honestly, kid, I have no idea what's going on. He says, I guess we just landed ourselves into a world of trouble. And that's the, the beginning of the chapter. The title is The World of Trouble. Yeah, well, it's I mentioned it's it's said three times. Once by her girlfriend mm. when they when she's telling her not to become the locust again. She said, "If you continue this, you're going to end up in a world of trouble." <laughs> yeah. And then the second time is when Good Samaritan shows up and he's like, "You just entered a world of trouble, punk." <laughs> and then the third time is when it's like, "I guess, I guess we're we're in a world of trouble." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, the terrible thing is that's the way it ends. And of course, that's makes me want to see more. I mean, you know. Well, I don't know if I said it. I have old volume four. Yeah. Written. Yeah. I, no, I know. I, I'll mention it. I'll just say it. Why not? Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> uh, volume four is going to open. It was going to open with Master Molecule, Locust, and a bunch of other villains doing a Suicide Squad-esque mission oh. for, the, for the government. <laughs> And they were going to go fight um, Nazis in South America <laughs> to, to stop the Nazis from summoning Ghost Hitler. Oh, no. And my version of Ghost Hitler is just a bedsheet ghost with a stupid mustache and haircut. <laughs> so that's how intimidating that is. But it, I like Locust because I was going to set her up, and I still will if I'll continue the book. Mm -hmm. She was going to be Master Molecule's uh, protege. Oh, that's why that's sort of this is sort of the start of that where okay. it, because she's a young kid who doesn't really know what she's doing mm -hmm. and he's like you know what i'll tr i'll teach you to be a villain because why not <laughs> and, and and then everything goes from there oh man I, honestly folks if you have not read this book i highly encourage you it's called villains seeking hero so we make you get it right, right. you said it's on gumroad <laughs> It is on Gumroad. Uh, my Gumroad's just my name, Lewis Southard. Mm -hmm. And all 18 issues are, I think they'll, they'll be up by next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Uh, 19th? Yes. That's when issue 18 comes out. Okay. So and that's going to be everything. 
I, I, I honestly encourage you to do it. It is a wonderful, funny book. You know, it's the way that people used to call comics funny books. And yeah. this is a genuinely funny book, I have to say. From the moment I started to read it, I just was captivated by this book. And it's, it just kills me that something that I really love is, is not – you know, can't continue at the moment. And I just, oh God. Imagine how I feel. <laughs> you created the whole thing and you did the whole thing. So, oh, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. I have to say this, as, as you can tell my talking about it, I just enjoyed this book tremendously. It was. Well, let's, let's, let's just give, I, we already kind of talked about it, but I'll, I'll give a taste of what volume three entails. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue. It opens with issue 13, which is, Called Somewhere Under the Rainbow, which is about uh, two rival supervillains getting into a turf dispute only because they are both uh, rainbow themed, (laughs) and and they have to they have to only one of them can be rainbow themed at the end of the day, (laughs) and and the three our three main characters Master Molecule, uh, Spirit King, and Nightman have to come in and be the mediators of this (laughs) dispute. (laughs) Issue fourteen is. Nostalgia Apocalypse sort of mentioned that, which is about a young you, – you sort of watch this kid grow up mm-hmm. I, idolizing Master Molecule and wanting to become a supervillain. And you get to see his journey uh, becoming a supervillain, mm-hmm. which I always thought was a nice companion piece to the world of trouble mm-hmm. where you see this young guy sort of have everything work out for him versus Locust who just can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. Uh after that is issue, what is that, 15? Yeah, 15, which is Weapons for Peace, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they go to a, a a weapons expo to steal a nuke, and and everything falls apart. And then <sighs> after that is issue 16, which is Citizen King, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the first Spirit King-centric. It is actually the first Spirit King-centric story, mm-hmm. which is all about him accidentally becoming a superhero. Mm-hmm. After that is Evil After Dark, where Spirit King and his buddy Nightman go to a supervillains-only nightclub to try to pick up women. <laughs> oh, gee. And then, that was funny. And then, oh, that that whole issue, issue Evil After Dark. I, I, I say that to my friends. That's just the blue balls issue, if anything. <laughs> Uh, and then at the final capping it all off is uh, issue eighteen, mm. which is the world of trouble, which is all about a brand new character, Locust, and Man. and her trying to figure everything out by so becoming a supervillain. This book is just such a joy, especially if you enjoy superhero comics and and have read them as long as I have. You will find the humor in this book, you know, yeah, unescapable. I just, you know, when it, things would go on, and yet there's serious things going on, like the surprise when we find out. That Master Miracle is is married to Lady Liberty. I, I was like, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? Yeah, there's a. I had a, a <laughs> one of my letter my letterer who who does all my stuff. He he messaged me after he read, I, I believe it was Citizen King, and he's like, damn dude, <laughs> like you really you really kind of went dark with this issue. And I'm like, yeah, that's just what the book is about. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little too, I, I guess, negative for lack of a better word. But but that's sort of the whole point. You can't really. Yeah. I, I like exploring the sort of flaws of these characters as well. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, in, in the real world, and I know you want to realistic. We don't want to use that term too too much, but 
people, real people, if they were in this circumstance, they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't act the way that they do on in, uh, say, Marvel or DC. Yeah, they wouldn't be like that. And so, for me, the thing that I enjoy it so much is I could see real people doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just there's a lot of things. There's just so neurotic and so weird. And my favorite thing is talking to my friends with trying to break down each character's motivation mm-hmm. at like, like the villain skull commander. There's a villain in the book named skull commander. And mm-hmm. my, my friend asked me like, who are the villains in your stories? I'm like, well, the, well, the main villain is skull commander. And it's like, well, what's his villainous motivation? And I just said out loud, Oh, he wants his friend back. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> And then there's like, that's not really villainous, is it? And then I said, oh, I guess not. But then when you read the book, (laughs) he's doing all sorts of heinous, terrible things Mm -hmm. just because he wants his friend back. And I think that's, I think a good, you know what? I read a nice review several months ago. Somebody found the book and they wrote a whole thing about it. Mm -hmm. And they really put it in a way that I never considered where they described the book Not as a superhero deconstruction, but as a reconstruction Hmm. where it's like everything's taken apart and put back together again, but in a very strange way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I really like that where it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess, I guess that does happen, you know, where it's like, instead of sort of breaking everything down to its more stereotypical elements, it's more so okay, let's break it down and then see what it can be like on in another spectrum or in another light. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. See, the thing to me is, is that, that whole business with the yellow wings, because, because I have acrophobia, I've always wanted to fly. Okay. And, you know, when I saw the whole, when, when he goes on and says, well, they're yellow and that's, that means cowardice yeah. to people. And I'm sitting there going like, What? I said, I would love to fly. If I could only fly and get over my acrophobia, man, I would love that. I said, I don't care what color the wings are. And so well, that he did me- he did mention that he also doesn't like how they look like bug wings. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> come on now. I mean, you know, if you get to fly, I don't care what they look like, you know, as long as you get to fly. That's- Doc- Dr. Superior has some good lines. My favorite one of his is uh he says, your wings can't save my company or my marriage. Yeah, <laughs> because he's talking about his wife's mad at him, too, for some reason. <laughs> well, he's Dr. Superior. Right there, you're in trouble. Yeah. That's a so this this book is just wonderful, I have to say. I'm just sick that it, that uh, 18 is the last for now. I just I, – I, I truly enjoy – I'm going to keep these because these are – every once in a while when I want a good laugh and enjoy myself, I'm going to read this uh, – if you don't mind me asking, which issue really was your favorite out of the new bunch? So, uh, well, see, 18, I think, is the one that really made me laugh. I really enjoyed it. And the funniest thing is we don't see any of the regular villains in this. No, no. It's not until the last page or two that we finally get Master Miracle involved. It's all these other characters. But that's the wonderful thing about the series is that we keep getting new people involved and they are their own characters and you know it's so much fun to watch because you know a lot of comic books tend to focus you know batman almost entirely focused on batman and you know you've got the other people around but they're kind of they're extraneous mostly but in this book 
every character has their own life in their own way. Yeah, they, they, that's a good way of putting it. They contribute something that nobody else does in the story. And so for me, I really you – know, whenever I see somebody new, I go, okay, now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, it's a shame that the book won't be continuing anytime soon because uh, volume four is when I was really going to go into the personal lives of some of the characters I haven't really examined yet. Uh, there was going to be a whole issue dedicated to Skull Commander and what he does when he's not being a villain. Oh, no. And then there's there was Spirit King. Oh, Spirit King. I, there's one issue. I, if I had the money, I would I would make it right now. Mm-hmm. There's an issue called – in Volume 4, I called it Mild-Mannered English Teacher. And it's about Spirit King who's – like he's got glowing yellow eyes and he can fly. And he's mm-hmm. he, 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 when he talks, he doesn't speak with contractions. He's very strange. And I, I wrote a whole issue centered around his secret identity, which is an English teacher at a random high school. Oh, no. And, and his disguise was just a whole riff on Clark Kent where he, he wears glasses, but his eyes still glow yellow. Mm-hmm. And he wear he wears a purple button up and black slacks, but he also still wears his cape in his in his villain gloves and villain boots in the classroom. <laughs> in the classroom, oh. but nobody nobody can figure out that he's the Spirit King. Everybody just thinks he's normal. But there's only one person in the whole school, the gym teacher. The gym teacher is the only one that's like, "Hey, do, does anybody notice this guy?" Goodness. Uh, yeah, that one. That one. Oh. I wish I could. I could make that uh, one. The Skull uh, Commander one. That's so discouraging because it's just such a wonderful book. It's just I, oh gosh, it's just I, I, I'm going to keep them just like I said. So when I, if I ever want to laugh and I want to see the, the the funniness of the superhero genre, I'm going to keep this around for that because oh, I appreciate that. So much fun. I I knew from the moment I read it, I knew I was going to – because I think I reached out to you because I enjoyed the book so much. Yeah. It's, it's such a great book. It's, it's just – it's just sick. It's just the terrible thing is, you know, certain books I would love to stop and say, let's take the money from there and put it into this book, which is actually something good. <laughs> I, I've often I've been thinking about it a lot more. Um, I've been thinking about maybe trying to fund the next volume on Kickstarter because mm-hmm. I know there's been a sort of Kickstarter boom, mm-hmm. and a lot more people are are using that to to fund their projects. But I'm not I'm not so entirely sure yet because mm. I, I've never done it, so I don't I don't really I've been I've been researching, but I, I don't know yet. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd support it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> so I, I, it's just such a. It, honestly, if you're in the mood for something that's going to brighten your day, this is one of those books that's just going to. Yes, it has this dark aspects to it, but those just make it funnier in my aspect. In my, I, I'd say it's seventy percent ridiculous funny, and then thirty percent real world. Like, oh, that's a bit. That's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Anyway, I highly encourage you. It's called Villains Seeking Hero. And go to Gumroad and, and download them all. I can tell you, buy them all because they're, they're gonna, you're going to enjoy them all. 
just just wonderful stuff, just terrific. And, so, and even though this one's coming to an end, the good news is, Lewis, you've got other projects going on, thankfully. I do. I'm still working. Wow. Yay. <laughs> what a good, what a great, oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be joking about that. It is a good thing that I'm still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so what, what, what do I have? Yeah. Uh, I have the the goth, gothic western horror book, Midnight Western Theater, mm-hmm. that's been coming out. I've been working. Great. I've been working with uh, Soda and Telepaths. They just have a. They have a new anthology book, which is about the apocalypse. Oh, I'll, I could talk about it here. Why not? Okay. Nobody's going to tattle on me. Uh, it's an anthology book about the apocalypse, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to uh, post-apocalypse, and mm-hmm. every everybody could write whatever they want. And I was fortunately one of the lucky writers to be selected. Mm. And my story is, I don't know if I could say the title. All I'm going to say is it's about, okay, the, my you could come up with your own apocalypse. You know, there, it didn't have to be one specific apocalypse. So mine was like hypothetical. What if there was a big war between the, the, the earth and a, a space invading force a la the, the Cybermen, more, more like robotic uh, alien, an, an alien robotic force, mm-hmm. let's say that. Mm-hmm. And my story is about it, – it, it, so they, they, they fight. It's a big war. Both sides lose. Everything's devastated. And my story is about the last surviving human mm-hmm. and the last surviving robot from the alien – uh, inv- invasion force hmm. and it's about the two of them working together hmm. but it's not it's i, I don't I, i'm not allowed i'm not really allowed to talk too specifically about it mm-hmm. uh, so it's not what you think <laughs> from what i just said okay because it makes it sound like it's it's two dudes trying to work together like a buddy cop thing okay not not that at all okay so how do we get this thing uh, I I think the Kickstarter is going to be popping up. I think in the summertime. Okay. So if you want to support me and support that anthology book, that's going. You can just follow uh, Soda and Telepaths. Okay. Or, or me, you could just follow me online at Lewis Southern. But uh, okay. I'd say I'd say um, Soda and Telepaths because then you'll get the link to the Kickstarter and updates and whatnot. And not only will you support me, but you'll be supporting many other talented creators and, and writers and artists who are working right now in that in that big anthology. So cool. that'll be that'll be great. I'll definitely get down to that. I'll keep uh, my pay attention. I get their uh, email newsletter. Oh, okay. So I, I kind of I like to to see what they're talking about and stuff. Sure. I, I have been working on other uh, stuff. Everything else has just been in development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I we mentioned this off mic. I, I'm working on a story called on a graphic novel with a very talented artist Dean Cotts mm-hmm. on uh, a book called The Blackout Bombshell, which is about a an alcoholic detective who blacks out one night, and during his blackout, he's hired to do a case. Mm-hmm. And when he comes to, he has to figure out what the case even was. <laughs> and it's, it's, if you liked Villain Seeking Hero, and if anybody checks out Villain Seeking Hero and wants something more akin to that tone mm-hmm. of comedy and, and some, some drama and some more dark elements underneath it all, mm-hmm. that book is a very good, good place to find that sort of tone. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I've been working on is, 
uh, I guess it's a, a magic, a fantasy book. Mm. It's a fantasy, well, two fantasy books, but I'll only talk about the one because that one's further in development. Mm. Uh, it's called Helvana and Nightcaster. Mm-hmm. And it's about a magical couple, the best sort of sorcerers in all the all the multiverse. They're the most powerful, most talented wizards, they're, and they're awesome. They're great. They could do whatever. And then one day they discover that uh, the 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 lady of the relationship is pregnant, and it's and they must. And the whole book's just about learning to become a parent. Ah, oh, okay. and and it's. Okay. Or especially when you're not expecting to become a parent, mm. and that's that's what that book's about. And and it's slice of life, but there's also multiple subplots of revenge <laughs> because there's just these eccentric, supernatural, and even scientific villains coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. who want revenge on the titular characters. <laughs> so I think that's another good villain seeking hero esque book that okay. I, that I hope to get picked up soon so that'll be good well if you write it i'm going to be buying it because it's going to be good stuff because uh yeah every one of yours that i've read and i've I've read several of the ones that you mentioned and i really enjoyed them i think that uh man i i hope you get to write even more as as things go forward because such good stuff me too (laughs) i hope i get more work (laughs) that's always a good thing and you get to do more work well Lewis, I, I, again, it's Villain Seeking Hero. You had Midnight Western Theater. Find that. There's uh, all these other ones that are coming from Soda and Telepaths. And uh, you've got all kinds of good stuff coming. So if you see that name, Lewis Southard, on a book, be sure to buy it. because it's, Stay away get- from it. Don't even touch it. <laughs> no. It's tainted. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great read. And I highly encourage you to do that because – uh, you haven't written anything bad yet, in my estimation. So oh, let's thank just keep you. it going. So it's really good. So uh, just keep it up, Lewis. That's all I can tell you. Thank you. It, can I plug my stuff real quick? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I, if you if you liked my voice, if you liked uh, anything I've had to say, or if you you end up reading any of these books and you're like, damn, this guy's on to something, uh, you can find me at Lewis Southard or at Lewis J Southard online. And then you can just hear my ramblings on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> ah, spell Southerd for people. S-O-U-T-H-A-R-D. Because people on the internet aren't necessarily good spellers, and we want to make sure they find it. So that's the way to do it. There you go. And that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.